Welcome along to the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday morning. Porik, good morning to you. Good morning, Deirdre. Yeah. Good morning, listeners. Our Happy. penultimate programme. <laughs> you, love, you love saying that word, don't you? <laughs> I so do we have flagged that it is the second last programme of the uh, current series anyway uh, this morning for now. And you know, um, so generally at this time of year, I, I'm kind of running out of things to talk about in, in, on the gardening programme. But, not but so not, this year. Not this year. And I mean, there's so much I came stuff. in and the first thing I, that met me this morning was a text about strawberries, which yeah. we will get to uh, listeners fairly shortly. And loads more has come in. Um, and just the, I don't know, I don't know, is it the interest as a result of the COVID or what exactly It's all year? of that and, and probably the exceptional 12 weeks yeah. of weather that we've had. I mean, Pro- every, yeah. everybody is gardening. People that have never gardened before are actually getting into gardening this year. So there's huge, huge interest out there and still so much to be done. You know, it's still, I have to pinch myself and remind myself, it's still only June. You know, it seems like we've been gardening for, <laughs> forever for, yeah, this since season. Since March, you know, yeah, since... Yeah. So it's been brilliant and I actually walked the garden centre this morning and, and looking at the vegetable plants and the tomato plants and all the colour that's still there, the bloom, you know, all the herbaceous plants are still there ready for planting, like things like lupins and, and um, you know, all, all just all the all the really good plants like the hydrangeas are in now, for example, and the lovely paniculata. So it's a, it's a busy time in the garden. So certainly for, for listeners and this drop of rain, you know, I, I'm I'm delighted to see it coming okay. and we need that heavy rain and I, I was tempted last night to water some of my own plants in the containers and I said I ah, know I'll leave it now and see what rain is coming but I could feel the rain this morning leaving Castlebar yeah, the dark clouds are, are there in Westport so we're going to have heavy rain right through and even in mon- on Monday and it is badly wanted but having said that it's actually going to make for great gardening weather because we need the moisture so if listeners can this morning get out early and trim the lawns if they need trimming feed any plants that need to be fed and um, before that rain comes if you need to feed your lawn and give your shrubs a bit of a boost now but it's going to make for great planting weather and you know it's still plenty of time for the sowing of seeds I noticed Monty Don was sowing some salad seeds last night on um, BBC Gardener's World and it's still such a great time we talked about kale last week we did but all the lettuce varieties can still be sown there's lots of very good varieties of cabbage but the plants are available as well like turnip and radish oriental lettuce the tomato plants are still there and they will fruit this summer if, if planted now. So really good sowing. Also green manures. If you have an area in the garden that you're not going to get around to sowing something and you want to just keep it weed free and, and keep it tidy and add some nutrition to the soil, this is the time of year in June when we sow the green manures. So these add lots of nutrition back into the soil, but they also create this kind of cover crop across the area that suppresses weeds. And many of them, like phacelia and red clover, produce beautiful flowers for the pollinating insects later on in the summer. With the reindeer, the mm-hmm. blighting is still going to be an issue. So I did mention it last week, Met Airden had issued a blight warning for last weekend. And again, we're coming into, anytime you get over 10 degrees Celsius and, uh, and, wet, conditions. and wet conditions, those humid conditions, you're going to have blight. And remember, blight, blight can affect both potatoes and tomatoes. They're in the same Solanaceae family. So do, if you can, this morning, 
before the rain, apply a blight treatment or as soon as things dry out. Tomorrow, I think, is to be relatively dry. Get on the bare treatment now on, on potatoes and just protect them. And I brought you in a couple of plants. So I mentioned the hydrangeas, particularly the paniculata varieties, which I prefer. I don't, I'm not a great fan of the old mop head types, you know, the old... Yes, you know, yeah. So uh, some people do love them and do, they're very they do attract, love them, attached yeah. to them. And the flowers are sterile on those, which, which on the mop heads, which means they last for a really t- long time. With the paniculatas, they're a bit like roses. They flower on the current season's growth. And there are some fabulous varieties like bobo, which is a real small dwarf variety. It only grows literally nearly a foot or maybe 18 inches in height, but it produces these beautiful flowers, white flowers in the summer. Another nice dwarf variety is one called little lime. That's it there. It's got lime. Oh, that's lovely. Isn't it lovely? Yeah. So it, they produce flowers very like an ice cream, like a 99 ice cream, this kind of conical cone-shaped flower. And they're so reliable that if you plant them now, they will flower this summer. Um, so that's a particularly nice one. Phantom is a favourite of mine as well. And this lovely red one called Wim's Red, which starts white, changes to pink, and then in autumn is goes totally red in okay, colour. So I, I'm looking at photographs of these now rather than the actual plants They're too plants big. Themselves. The plants are too big to bring um, in. But, so Wim's Red is it's kind of a profusion of smaller flowers rather than uh, the conical type one of the, the little line yeah, there. It's a little bit more open. It's got a more open flower uh, on Wim's Red. A bit like the lace caps but the fact that it changes colour is, is really nice and very interesting. So by late August you've got plants w- with red flowers, pink flowers and white flowers on the one plant. Another favourite of mine is one called Vanilla Freeze which again changes colour from white to pink and if people have them in their garden they're initiating their flower buds at the moment which means they're going to be flowering in about another two weeks and they will flower then right through until November. So keep an eye out for those. They're the Paniculata Hydrangeas. If you want an easy shrub to fill up a corner uh, albeit if you want something small go for the Bobo and Little Lime or if you want something a little bit taller, Phantom uh, vanilla freeze and whims red are they will grow up to about four to five feet or your old favourite the Annabelle yep. is also a lovely variety and can be planted at this time of year another plant I brought and I put this plant up on the um, on Midwest Radio Facebook yep. page I, took I, I, I spotted it during the week and I said oh I wonder what we're talking about on Saturday yeah so this is this is uh, if you want again we want something really easy to grow and that will flower um, it comes into flower at the end of May and flowers through to November in my garden anyway and I have quite a few of these and I, and I grow them out on the road so they're getting the road dust and the road traffic and all of that they're totally evergreen it's a plant called Parahebe Avalanche and as the name suggests Avalanche it produces these beautiful white flowers from late May right through until November and even over the winter, there's often an odd flower on it. It retains the foliage 12 months of the year. I recommend planting it in, gr- in clusters. Right. So the video I created, you'll see a cluster of maybe five plants together covering maybe two square metres or three square metres. And so it produced this lovely dome shape, white flowers, evergreen foliage. I shouldn't say this, but it's a really easy plant to propagate from cuttings. So once you get a few of them, it's very easy to re-propagate them. And now is actually the time of year, any time from now through to August, the end of August, you can propagate Parahebe avalanche from cuttings. It's a really simple plant uh, to grow, but a really good one for banks, slopes, uh, borders, um, you know, just a really cracking plant. One of those reliable, easy to grow, no nonsense, no pest or diseases. I like trimming back once a year. 
and, and away you go. Away you go. It's just one of those cracking okay. plants. So remember the name, Parahibi Avalanche. Um, I'd highly recommend it. But if you are planting it, plant it in a minimum of three in a triangular shape or maybe five together to cover kind of a two give, square right, metre area. To give the effect. To give the effect. And I would direct people to uh, the Midwest Radio Facebook page just to have a look at that. Have a look at which it. Which was posted during the week um, because it, it definitely caught my eye and I said, wow, I wonder what that yeah. is. And, and it's just such a, an easy thing to grow. So so there's some of the things um, certainly to... Also the, the plant, I know you got one of them a couple of weeks ago, the Senecio Angel's Wings. I did. It's yeah. a fabulous plant, isn't I it? Compl- now, I just happened to uh, be on errands for somebody else and I'd spotted it. And I just thought, wow, that looks really different and interesting. And then I went over to feel it. And so the, it's a very soft, uh, I'm not sure what, what, how you describe it. Velvet. It's almost like velvet. These <laughs> huge leaves yeah. of uh, foliage, but they're kind of silver. It's silver foliage. It's, it's silver like, foliage. And yeah. I understand they do flower they at do. certain points. Yeah. Um, so I have two of them now and one is in a pot and it's grow- growing fantastically and it's in maybe the last whatever for whatever whatever things reopened anyway yeah at the 18th of may and um i'm and i then i i have cousins um on the eastern part of the of the country and they had some pictures up on facebook of their garden as everybody has at the minute and they had them as well and i thought wow now and my cousin had them uh, planted in a cluster um so there was about four three yeah. or four together um which was very impressive minor kind of singles at the minute but I might try and put in a few more. Brilliant in pots brilliant in containers great crown covered plants so it's this plant called Senecio Angel Wings Angel Wings and and, and the the leaves I suppose are are very they're large and they have that kind of rugby ball shape and they're downy or velvety to touch lovely thing it's actually a a variety of Senecio related to Ragworth (laughs) (laughs) is it? it is now, I do think the flowers are yellow, aren't they? They are, yeah. like Ragworth. But now, it, there is absolutely no comparison. <laughs> Let that not put you off because it is an, a sensational plant. It's a lovely thing and brilliant in a pot or container. Um, it is, over the winter, it does need a little bit of protection. Right. So if we get a really cold, kind of wet winter, it'll dislike that. So hence, putting it in a pot is a good idea. But they do grow perfectly well out of doors. And um, there is other varieties of Senecio, like Senecio grey which are, you know, very, very simple to grow but it actually is related to ragwort. But it's well worth getting. It's a lovely little plant and now is the time they're available in, in your local garden yeah, centre. So, I, I, so, Angel's Wings. It's kind of a, it's, it's a, it creates nearly a discussion, doesn't it, when people see it and what's it's that? A, well, it's it so completely, unusual. Uh, it, it drew my eye immediately. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it, it wasn't that I knew what it was or anything like that, but I thought, oh, that looks so interesting. And I do like silver kind of foliage, so I suppose that was kind of maybe tying in with that as well. Yeah, and yeah. it keeps that silver foliage 12 months the year. So it's mainly grown for its foliage and leaf colour rather than the, the flowers. flowers. So it yeah. looks really, really well. And it, Silver always contrasts well with other plants. Now remember, it's only grown to grow maximum probably a foot, eight and inches in height, that sort of height. That's it's, fine. it's more ground covering. Mm. Um, so you need it at the front of a board or pot container, somewhere like that. But a great little plant. So it's called Senecio, uh, Sil- Angel Wings, I should say, and uh, really, really nice plant. So look, at it's great planting weather and people should get out there. Just to mention with the um, restrictions. Yes. Uh, How, what does that mean for the 29th now? Well, people have been asking me about the Bailey for restaurants. So mm. the restaurant is going to reopen in uh, on the 29th of um on the 29th of June, June. 
yes, June Burick. Uh, so so that's Monday week. Uh, the Bailey will be reopened in Turlock. And Edinburgh Woolen Mills have reopened already, so they're open Brilliant. within the store and people delight to see that. Oh, yes, absolutely. I think you're here. Where am I starting at all? So it's a photograph of Blue Daniels. What are Blue Daniels for those so who are uninitiated, Borek? Who weren't listening to us back in, in March. We saw Blue Danube is a variety of, of potato. It's a main crop potato and that that I highly recommend. And one of my team, Leone, in, in our Turlock store, uh, grows this for many years. So it's a blight-resistant potato. Uh, it's actually purple, lovely purple the kind of purple of Barney, you know the Barney the dinosaur? Barney the dinosaur. That colour on the outside. So children love to see it but it's a beautiful flowery potato extremely good against blight resistance and when it flowers it produces these beautiful purple flowers and the listener has sent us in a picture of their Blue Danube in flower in Clare Morris. It's three feet high at the moment. The plants are look super. And there's loads of them. Loads of them, but also that look at the foliage. It's so yeah. healthy. It looks fabulous. Because it's a blight resistant variety. So here's one if you want to grow potatoes organically, I would recommend. And it suits the Irish palate because we love our flowery spuds. We do. So it's it's one to and you won't get it to buy in the shops. Right. So, you, so don't grow the curse yeah. pinks and the, the boring because, roosters. Yeah, but grow this one blue danube next year. Yeah, they the fabulous looking crop there. Yeah. Uh, now we have a fatsia not looking quite so fabulous. It's uh, poor, leaves are decaying and it's withering. Uh, it's in relatively wet soil with partial sun, says Mary and Caltra. How can we help? So the partial sun is fine because mm-hmm. t- uh, Fatsia japonica tolerates. This is the castor oil plant, often grown as an indoor or an outdoor plant, but it doesn't like heavy wet soil and that's what's causing the problem here. So it's it's still alive. Uh, but many of the leaves are yellow and they're marked and damaged. It's 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 a bit miserable. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, my advice, Mary, would be to either move it in the autumn to a dryer or else dig it out of that area and see can you improve the drainage by adding grit and soil and and gritty kind of sandy soil into the area and maybe raising the planting area as well. If you raised it up by 18 inches or two feet, that would help with the dry. So it's just the wetness really that's causing it. Okay. What will happen is every summer it'll come back lovely or relatively good mm-hmm. and then in the winter it'll go back again, again. with the okay. wetness. So, okay. Yeah, leave it, leave it and move it next next autumn I would recommend uh, say October and just redo the soil with plenty of grit and, so- and sand and improve the drainage. Okay, now <coughs> we have thick layers of black flies on dahlias which are attracting lots of ants. Yeah. Will the ants save the flower buds from serious damage or do I need to spray organically? Asks Elizabeth. It's an interesting one isn't it really because the ants are there because of the aphids. So ants and aphids have this little system going on between one another where the ants feed off the sticky substance that the aphids... So the aphids and the green fly attack your plants. They mm-hmm. suck the protein out of the plants and they excrete a sticky stu- substance which ants feed off because it's a very sugary substance. So the ants will protect the aphids from any other predator feeding on them. So if, if a couple of ladybirds come along and try and hoover up the aphids, right. the ants will attack the ladybirds. Lady so the ants will actually promote the aphids, aphids and look after them and protect them because they're feeding off that sugary sap. Isn't that interesting? It is, but we don't really want the aphids, do we? No, but it's just interesting. It is interesting. <laughs> it is interesting. But I'm, I'm dry, in my head, I'm getting the process okay, there. So look, at, so, to but, get rid of but, the black flies, you, <laughs> you're going to have to treat them. Now, you can use an organic treatment. You could use, um, what can you use? You can use Bug Clear, which is an organic spray. There's one specifically, uh, the one that we use on fruit and veg, and you can use that on your dahlias. Um, but look, you know, a small bit of aphid damage is... Uh, it depends how badly they're damaged. It's described right? as a thick the, layer. The ant, okay. 
<laughs> okay, so put a bit of bug clear on them, get rid of the aphids, the ants will disappear as well. Uh, and you, you, you know, and that's, yeah. you know, that's Alternatively, fine. if you'd like to see nature in action, Actually, you, can you can leave, leave them the there. Ants to grow. Because the ants don't do any harm whatsoever. Pe- people have this phobia about them. And, and they do, they do now, they, you know, they don't, I suppose, do a huge amount of benefit either, but they don't do any damage in the garden. Okay, but they, they probably kind of break up the soil a bit. They do, and, and all and that sort of thing. thing. Of course of they do, yeah. Now, I bought two skimmia japonica obsession plants yep. in Castlebar. They had beautiful berries. I looked after them and fed them with tomato feed often after the first year. The berries did not come back and now they're losing foliage as well. And I'm wondering, is there anything you can recommend that would bring them back to life? Okay, so first of all, the skimmia, beautiful plant and mainly grown for winter colour and because of the lovely red berries. They are ericaceous plants. So they, they first of all need an ericaceous soil, a lime-free soil. So when you're planting them, put down plenty of ericaceous compost and it's a good idea to mulch them as well with pine needles or bark or something that has a, a, an acid um, contact to, to it or mulch it with ericaceous compost as well. Rather than using tomato feed, I would use an ericaceous feed uh, for it. So that's a specific feed that we use on rhododendrons and azaleas and it's brilliant for skimmia as well. It turns them that beautiful dark green colour. So stop using the tomato feed, use the ericaceous feed and give them a mulch of an ericaceous compost and that'll bring back the colour and vigour in them as well. Brilliant. Now, um, we've got some pictures in from Declan in Ballina. So Declan uh, potted up some laurel slips last October. Okay. Uh, so their pictures are in the pots at the minute. They did well up to four weeks ago and then they started to wither. Um, wondering, would you have any idea what might have caused this? So uh, clearly they grew to a certain degree. They did, they rooted over the yeah, winter. And they, they're in and, pots. And they're, they grew to a reasonable size. They've gone brown. Mm. So I would say they've dried out at some stage, Declan. That's what it looks like to me. The leaves are, and and the compost is very dry, particularly that middle pot there. Um, Now, they're damaged, but they're not dead. So I would remove any kind of browned or damaged foliage on them. Some of them are weeping a little as well, looking like they need a sup of water. And look at, if they're well rooted, get them out into the garden soil now, particularly with the rain coming. So plant them out, take off any dead leaves that are on them. The plants, the three plants that are in the picture are still still alive and, and okay, uh, sickly, but okay if planted out into the garden soil. Laurels are vigorous and, and in a pot like that, um, you know, they've run out of root space. So get them out into the garden soil and they'll be perfectly fine. Okay, great. Now, um, can people wondering, is it okay to keep mulching the lawn at the moment, Porrick, in this dry weather instead of picking the grass up, I guess, the cut grass we're talking? Yeah, if you're using a mulching more, you need to be cutting your, your lawn twice a week minimum because... Um, over over time, unless it's mulched up into a really fine mulch, uh, leaving the grass over a long period can build up a thatch, a growth on the on the um, or a kind of a layer on the on the uh, lawn. So as long as you're cutting it twice a week, the the mulching is fine. Um, but if you're doing it less than that, I would advise maybe mulching every second more rather than mulching. All the time because you're building up that thatch layer which encourages moss and, and a kind of a spongy nature to your lawn. Okay, great. Now, a uh, listener has nearine bulbs set two years ago but there's no flowers. Why might this be? Well, nearines don't flower until the autumn, September. So... Uh, just that's w- why. Yeah, that's why. They're, they should be green at the moment, look like they're growing, but the flower buds won't be formed until September. So September, October, they come into flower every year. And once you have them flowering, they're very reliable after that. Okay, and peony roses, wondering, can we cut back and divide them at the minute? Yeah, well, remember, if you divide your peony roses, you're going to set them back from a flowering point of view. Now, having said that, they do 
divide really well and now would be an excellent time to do them so you just cut them back very close to ground level within two to three inches of soil level dig the whole plant up split it into two or three pieces and transplant them they'll come back into growth but they won't flower next year and may not flower for two to three years but they will settle down they'll come back flowering again um, after a number of years but yeah it would be a good time to do them now great now uh, Tom has a, a, pick, a question about crows and magpies so they're rooting out potatoes at the moment wondering if there's anything effective that can stop them and wondering about how effective bird scarers are well, that's going to help to a to a certain degree. I think we mindful some... of neighbours with bird scarers. Yeah, well, that's true. That, that's yeah. very very true. I mean, we did have something similar, I think, last week. And my advice really was at this time of year, you should be moulding up the potatoes as well. Just if if the tubers are close to the surface, the crows are going to pick them out. And um, by putting extra soil around the the base of the the stems, a you're you're keeping the birds away, but b you're also encouraging the potatoes to produce a lot more tubers because tubers work their way up. The the stem uh, rather than down. So the more soil you add at the stem, the more tubers you encourage. So um, I think, you know, that might be the best thing. You can get anti-bird netting as well. If all else fails, hmm. you can get some netting and, and it sit it on top of the plants and that will help to keep the crows away as well. I suppose it depends on how big the area yeah, is. They're going to take a few. It's not going to, go, it's not going to damage the, the crop um to oh, any great extent and they'll take the ones very close to the surface Okay, also on the potatoes front uh, we've got <coughs> a listener growing potatoes in bags but they look like something is eating lower leaves could it be slugs, snails uh, what can I do to get rid of them uh, they're causing a lot of damage Yeah, well slugs and snails will, will damage definitely um, potatoes you know the, 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 the lower stems of them again you use some um, of the organic slug control and that'll that are together, and we are going to see a lot of slug activity now with the rain coming. So, if you have plants that are sensitive to slugs, yeah. uh, vegetable plants in particular, put down a small amount of the organic treatment. It's safe for children and birds but very effective at controlling the slugs. Excellent. Now, um, a listener has sown a dahlia in a pot for months and there's no sign of anything. Yeah, well, dahlias, dahlias are still... Uh, I mean, dahlias tend to flower kind of late June, July through until... November and you'll often pop into the garden centre and we have them in flower at the moment but they've been coaxed on in the greenhouses early they were planted back in January and they're, they're of course they're in flower now so don't panic yet outdoor dahlias that are planted uh, even a couple of months ago they're only coming to the point of you know July really is when they really when they kick in. in yeah 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 the main thing that it's growing strongly you're liquid feeding it you're building it up and don't worry it will settle down to flowering uh, does Porik have male apple trees in the garden centre? So doesn't st- it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. <laughs> well, you do need cross-pollinators, so that's the first thing. And I always advise when you're planting apple trees to put them in, in groups of three. So you can buy a family tree which has two different varieties on the one tree and they'll cross-pollinate. But normally get three different varieties. So James Grieve is a very good pollinator of other trees. Um, you could put in Elstar, you could put in Beauty of Bath, but make sure that you have a couple of different varieties. So depending on what variety the listener has, um, if they do know the variety, when they come into the garden centre, mention the varieties you have and we'll give them a different variety. But James Grieve, you won't go wrong with it. It's a very good long flowering variety. It pollinates other apple trees really well. Okay, and I know we've got a question on James Grieve, and I'm just trying to locate that um, from a bit earlier as well. But we'll come back. I think back. it was. It was. I, I had a look at it earlier. Yeah. I think it was a customer or a listener that that bought Discovery, Elstar, and James Grieve. Uh, James Grieve, I think, has come into flower, but they're only two years planted. And apple trees, many trees 
fruiting trees, when you put them into the garden soil, they tend to do a lot of growing. You know, they're still in that teenage phase, so don't be expecting fruit from the first year. If you plant the coronet apple trees, which are five-year-old trees when you purchase them, they will flower in their first year. But the other apple trees take a number of years. But as long as they're growing healthy, that's the important thing. And it often takes three to five years for fruiting plants to come into to fruit. But it's important that they're putting on new growth. You know, you don't want it, it, it loaded with apples the first year because the plant is not physically growing and putting on, uh, you know, timber and, 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 and forming its shape. So it's important that they're growing well. Feed them well, wash them well. And to help plants come into flowering and fruiting, the application of sulphur of potash at this time of year is a good idea because you build them up for next year. Okay, so uh, we have a photograph in on uh, the WhatsApp. Uh, Pora, can you advise what this is and how do I go about getting a, a clipping setting and looking after it? Uh, asks Andy in Castlebar. Is that, I don't know. It's a honeysuckle. Yeah, yeah, it's a honeysuckle. So it's in flower at the moment and flowering really well. They do propagate really easily from uh, softwood cuttings at this time of year. And it's a great time of year for taking cuttings on many plants, not just honeysuckle um, you can propagate fuchsias and even the parahebe that I mentioned earlier so what you're looking for is about a four inch cutting um, strip off the leaves dip it into a bit of rooting powder put it into a mixture of compost and sand or grit cover it with a polythene bag and sit it on a windowsill and it'll root in about three to four weeks time Okay, fun. So super easy. Maybe take 10 or 12 cuttings from the plant because honeysuckle produce lots of new growth make sure you take the shoots that don't have any flowers on them so just Right. Flowerless shoots. Flowerless shoots, yeah. Yeah, so new, this year's growth, about four to six inches long, strip off the leaves, a little bit of rouging powder and have a go. And there's wonderful fragrance from Polycycle. Oh, fantastic. And they come yeah. in a whole range of different varieties. Some are evergreen, some are um, you know, deciduous. But yeah, they're fantastic scent. Now, what is a good feed for a tired looking wine cordyline? Well, so this is, these are the purple-leafed cordylines. Um, so use a, something like the Osmo Pro 6. And, and it's a great time of year now in mid-June, particularly with the rain coming, to give garden plants a feed. I fed my own probably 10 days ago. And, and I can see already the, the, just the, the health, the, the, the vigour that comes into the plant. So put on the Osmo Pro 6 now, about a handful to the base of the plant and repeat in about four weeks' time. Okay. Somebody wondering, how soon can you eat potatoes after spraying? Uh, well, generally, they recommend any sort of spraying leave at least seven days after spraying. Now, what I would do, if they're, if they're first early varieties that you're going to be digging out of the soil, so generally the first early varieties are ready once they come into flower or if they're flowering for about a week or 10 days, they should be ready. Now, it's a good idea to do a test just to make sure. And with the dry weather this year, I would expect the crops to be probably a little bit smaller, the potatoes to be a bit, little bit smaller this year. Um, but having said that, once they're ready to dig, I wouldn't bother spraying them uh, if, they're, if you're going to be digging them over the next say two weeks there's no need to spray uh, the first early varieties the blight spray that I did recommend is mainly for main crop varieties um, you know like records or cur pinks or uh, roosters that are going to be in the ground for the next three to four weeks okay uh, this I, I think this is more um, uh, um, a biodiversity question than um, a like plant a wasp, question. A wasp nest but, yeah, to me. so is we it? have something growing inside a glass house, hanging from the roof, about two inches, a ball in a ball, ball yeah. and that 
I actually somebody else recently had a, a nest that I know a wasp nest and it looks not dissimilar it's different yeah. colour uh, that's a black one or at least it is in the photograph it's very greyish very yeah. dark grey yeah so so nests or nests wasps, wasps produce these uh, ball shaped nests um, you, you know during the summer period now you should see the wasps going in and out of the base which you can see the hole right in the bottom of it there so that's what it looks like um, if you can put up with them wasps are actually beneficial they do eat the aphids unlike our ants <laughs> <laughs> They're not so, after the sticky stuff. So, no, so do remember that, that the wasp in the garden um, hoovers up insects. They're carnivores, so they eat meat. So anything that's a bug or a pest, your wasp um, will attack and, and hoover them up. So they are the gardener's friend. And if you can tolerate them and if you leave them alone, they tend to be okay. It's generally later on in September as the um, aphids disappear they start to look for sugary substance and you'll see them up around the house or, uh, you know, uh, and they can be more annoying. But generally at this time of year, they don't cause a huge amount of problem. Now, I am mindful that it is in the greenhouse. Um, so. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I suppose that that becomes an, an executive decision. It really. does, yeah. but uh, but obviously it's been there for the last couple of months and and hasn't caused any major issue. And it obviously, uh, would there be many nests of wasps in a nest of bats? Yeah, I'd imagine that. The, yeah, yeah. You'd imagine people would see them. You would, you would. They should be quite visible because they're they come out during the day. I mean, it's they're two feeding foot. All day. Is that what he said? It was two foot, two uh, inches, two sorry, inches tall. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. not two foot. Yeah, so it's quite okay. a small. It's a small. Yeah, normally the nests are a lot bigger than that now. Okay. Um, anyway, that's it. Interesting. It appears to be wasps. Yeah. Okay, time ticking along. Uh, Porek, um, we're going to talk about, I usually put weed and feed on the lawn every year. Now I have bees and they're foraging on the clover, etc. in the Great. lawn. What can I use now? Use uh, Well, you can use, um, so if you use one of the Osmo lawn feeds, they don't contain any pesticides, any insecticide or any moss control. So it's a straight feed. So you can get Osmo Pro 1. Or, yeah, Osmoprone is, is actually a very good fertiliser, so it doesn't contain any nasty weed killer. It's a straight fertiliser, it's organic based, and um, it will, won't harm the bees. Okay, good stuff. Yeah. That's Green what the want. lawn without, without affecting the... A uh, couple of questions on strawberries. Should I cut back uh, some leaves of the strawberry plant to let the sun through yes. the fruit? Yeah, yeah. And once you pick all the fruit off your strawberries, now they're fruiting really well this year. Um, once you take all the crop off them, cut the entire leaves back. So go back to within two inches of ground level. So about, you know, about mid-July, just tidy the whole thing back and that reinvigorates the, the strawberry plants. You get beautiful new leaves on them and a really healthy plant. Okay, great. And also on strawberries not growing as well as last year, is there anything that we can do to help strawberries along if they're a bit well, it's poorer? it's unusual because they're growing really well this and year and, and, and fruiting really well this year. So it depends. I mean, generally strawberries will last after about three to five years. The plants get a bit spent and they get, you know, they're not, a pl- they're they're not like tired. a black... Exactly. And you need to replace new plants. So so it may be a case of that. You could give them a couple of liquid feeds and that <clears throat> that will help to bring them on. But anywhere I've seen strawberries, I have them in pots at home and they're... And, they're not getting a whole lot of care, but they're, they're fruiting they're fru- really, really along. well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> now we have a picture in from Bernie and from Mama. Yes. And uh, Bernie was out walking and uh, picked this particular plant up and she's wondering, or, or she is wondering, is it a weed? And if not, will it grow from a slip? So we have something that is uh, pink, really. Pink valerian. Okay. So pink valerian, you'll often see it growing on walls and, um, you know, particularly limestone walls. So here's a plant that, is it a weed or is it a flower? Um, it can be weed-like in its nature in that it spreads by seed and um, so once you have it in the garden it can start kind of popping up everywhere 
if you allow it to produce its seed. But it's a beautiful plant as well. So pink valerian, um, yeah, you can take slips of it or you can save the seed. The seed, it's in full flower at the moment. It'll produce seed by August and you can collect that seed and sow it in the garden. But remember that once you have it, it tends to spread quite a bit. So you'll often see it grown in hedgerows and as I say, on literally on walls and so it can spread right. quite a bit. So it's red valerian, L- lovely, lovely dainty plant. Okay, so just be judicious. Just, yeah, as yeah. To where depends you where it's And a great plant for, for pollinating insects as well. Okay, a couple of roses questions. Um, one from London, um, from Cathy and Kevin. Uh, they have lovely roses in the garden in London. They'd like to slip some and they were just wondering when and how they might do that. And also somebody else with rose, um, it, but rose has gone a bit leggy, uh, kind of got a bit um, battered, battered after yeah. the storms. Yeah. And so cut- nothing has really come back very much. So if your roses are battered, bet or, or whatever, cut them back. So take at least a third of the growth off them. So if they're three feet high, cut a foot, a foot off them. Give them a good feed. They'll kick back into growth and reflower again. So don't be afraid to do that. So roses pruned at this time of year or deadheaded at this time of year will reflower again if you feed them. So that's the first thing. Secondly, it's a great time for taking the cuttings of roses. And like I said, the fuchsias and the parahebe can be propagated. You can propagate rose cuttings. Again, roughly pencil length, pencil thickness strip off the leaves make sure there's no flowers on the plant or flower buds into the rooting powder into a mixture of compost and grit or perlite and then cover with a polythene bag sit them in your greenhouse or on a windowsill and they'll root in a six week period Okay great now last week we had a a photograph um, of an area planted in a garden we and we, we were being asked uh, to, I think it was kind of a memorial area, uh, we were being asked to identify a particular plant um, but we couldn't see close enough but the listener has sent them in again this week now so much closer, can we identify the The wonders plant? of WhatsApp the and, and, of WhatsApp. Uh, and uh, phone photographs. Yeah. yeah, so this is Osmanthus. It looks like a holly. The leaves are holly-like in nature um, but it produces kind of a lovely variegated foliage that's evergreen um, easy to grow and my advice really it's a, this one is a little bit leggy so I would advise giving it a trim back mm. to thicken up to fill it in in the centre so you could do that now actually take about a foot off the top of the plant prune all the branches back give it a feed and that will fill it up but it's, it makes actually a lovely plant very very easy to grow Okay, we have a question. Uh, We've planted courgettes. We've got a photograph in of them as well. Uh, Lots of flowers there by the looks of things, Porek. But they're going rotten now. They're wondering uh, before they've grown, any advice? Well, just be careful with the um, courgettes in particular. And and flowers, I think, on it. Yeah, anything in the squash family or or cucumbers. They dislike heavy watering. So if there's a lot of watering going into the base of the plants, they can rot. So generally rotting on them is excessive watering. Now, having said that, they do or can suffer from diseases as well like botrytis and mildews. Um, now there's none evident on the plant there but there seems to be a lot of the leaves missing from the plant. So I, I would say just cut back on the watering. Don't bother feeding them now. Give them an opportunity to regrow again and um, courgettes are generally very easy but excessive watering will rot them or if they get any diseases onto the foliage. Now you can use um, a fungicide if there's any botrytis or any mildew appearing on the leaves and they, that appears as kind of a rotting or a, or a white powdery growth on the leaves. Okay, great. Um, I sow double begonia bulbs in April. They're doing well. Lots of green foliage but no flowers. Yeah, what yeah. can I do? A bit early, no, is it? You just chillax. Chillax, they will come into flower. They're doing really well. Um, you know, Don't get worried. When you go into garden centres and you see plants in flower, that's because they've been brought on artificially in January and February in, in cocooned conditions. And because you won't 
probably won't buy them if they're not if they exactly. can't see the flowers. Exactly, that's people buy a buy yeah. a buy on, on buy colour. Visually, yeah. So so there's plenty of time for begonias, and again, like the dahlias, begonias are one of these plants that flower until November. So you've got lots of time yet. So by certainly the middle of July, those begonias will be in full flower. Give them a liquid feed. Don't overfeed them, but give them a liquid feed and just give them time. Okay, give great. them time. Um, now. Uh, we're wondering about calla lilies. Yeah. Uh, not doing very well. Any suggestions? What type of soil might be best for a calla well, lily? Well, calla lilies, uh, they're the, the big white lily mm. that we see. In, and, in, and they've kind of come into their own in the last two weeks, really, have they? They have, yeah. and, and, and they're, they're flowering at the moment um, and flowering really well. Now, they do like a moist, retentive soil. So they're actually a plant that will grow in a pond. If you stuck one into a pond, it would actually physically grow. So it's one of these plants that actually like likes its roots uh, in moist soil um, and and wet conditions. So my advice really is just check where it is, make sure the ground is good and and heavy and add some water certainly and liquid feed it, but they're generally easy to grow. Okay, lovely. Now we have a photograph in of a yellow plant in a pot, okay, so it's got some uh, good flowers on it there. Mm -hmm. And the question is, um, it's probably leggy in other parts as we can see uh, from the uh, the top bit there. So uh, the question is, when I scroll over, (laughs) sometimes it's better just to send us one photograph. Do you want me to tell you what it is? Yeah, tell us what it is in one of this question. Is a, what is it? So this is a plant called Uriops. I've often recommended it here on the programme. It's one of these plants that produces flowers nearly 12 months of the year. I mean, this thing flowers for months and months and months, but it tends to get a bit leggy, particularly if you don't prune it back. Um, and particularly as the plant gets older, I'd say the listener has this a couple of years now in the pot. And it's it w- so to describe it, it's gone quite leggy. The flowers and foliage are all on the top of the plant. And, um, you know, it's 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 probably uh, not as healthy looking as it as should be. So Uriops benefits from being pruned back normally in September, early October. And it's actually still in flower at that t- time of year, but you need to cut it back to get it to reshoot at the base. Otherwise, it gets tall and leggy. Now, here's another plant that Uriops that propagates so simply from right. cuttings. And that's a good thing to take a few cuttings of it every year. This is a good time to, to root them and kind of dispose of the old plant um, after a number of years okay. because it, they do just, that's just the habit of the, of the plant. But it's a great flowering plant, Uriops. Now, we've got a house plant this time around again, yeah. uh, not doing all that well, brown Swimming. leaves. <laughs> Is it swimming? Is it swimming? And that's swimming. the reason yeah, why. Yeah, yeah. So it's just overwatered. It's it's a dracaena. So it's grown for its foliage colour. Um, and it's the young leaves at the base are, are going brown. So And I can see from here even the, the compost is so dark and wet. So it's just overwatered. Um, so let it dry out. Maybe repot into a larger pot, and but just cut back on the watering. I notice it's sitting in another pot. And, and if that other pot doesn't have any hole at the base with it, it's, you know, when the listener is probably watering it, it's sitting in water for quite a while. So it's just been overwatered. Okay, great. Uh, now, uh, ferns. Ferns. Yes, mm. we've got a question. Uh, we've got a question. We've got. Yes. Okay. So I'm uh, looking for some advice on my back. Oh, sorry, the, the pictures are jumping a little bit with the with the text. Um, I'm looking for some advice on my back garden. I don't need more lawn. I'd like low maintenance plants and trees, but it's quite steep slope covered by bracken. I keep cutting the bracken down, but it's never ending. How can I get rid of it permanently? Asks Kieran. Well, Kieran, the only way to big rid space. Of it, yeah, is to is 
used to, you'll have to treat it with a with a, a weed killer if you want to get rid of it. No, you know, the bracken, it looks really well there, I think. You could put in some silver birch trees this autumn, some mountain ash, you know, hazel, um, alder, you know, that kind of a woodland effect and allow the allow the bracken, because it's not, it's not going to grow about a metre high, but it's not going to grow any taller than that. So, um, you know, you could allow some of it to grow anyway in the area, but certainly some broadleaf trees, some willow would look really well in it. So a mixture of broadleaf trees, plant it, maybe underplant them with spring flowering bulbs like bluebells, wild garlic, um, you know, maybe some narcissi and just create that woodland effect in it. Okay. And and the bit of shade that the trees will provide in time will reduce the growth of the bracken as well. It'll help to kill it back. But if you do need to get rid of the bracken, you can treat it with a proprietary weed killer. We have, uh, I suppose, not an entirely dissimilar question, but in a different area. If you plan to convert a small corner in the garden into a shrub or flower bed, would you treat the area with weed killer before starting the digging? And if you would, how long after can you start working on the bed and start planting? Okay, so my advice is always when, if you're planting a new area, say it's a grassland area or an area with, with, with weeds or whatever, treat it with Weed Free 360 because that will eliminate any broadleaf weeds or grasses. You're starting them with a clean canopy and you don't have to remove any soil. So you treat it with that, you leave it a week and you're good to plant. And you literally just dig the hole. So if it's a lawn area, my advice is to cut the lawn area quite tight with the lawnmower, treat it with the Weed Free 360 in dry weather. It's ready then for planting a week afterwards. And the Weed Free Weed Free 360 does not contaminate the soil. So do, when you put in new plants, they're not going to be affected. And you're not getting, otherwise you're you're removing the top layer of topsoil to get rid of the weeds and you're taking the best of your soil away. So treat it with the Weed Free 360 now. Now we have a question on broad bean plants uh, and yep. there's holes in the leaves. Wondering what might be eating them. The broad beans have black spots forming on them. Um, I'm wondering about that as well. Is there anything they can do to stop these problems on the broad beans? Yeah, no, broad beans are quite vigorous and, and fast growing. So a little bit of damage is, is nothing to worry about. They do attract black bean aphid, which going back to our, our problem with the ants. So generally with broad beans, it's a good idea to remove the top growth. So cut off with the scissors or with the secateurs about a foot of the top growth and that removes any pest problem mm-hmm. uh, from the thing. So aphids can definitely be a, a problem. And also you can get flea beetle, which creates these pinhole um, holes in the broad bean leaves as well. Small bit of damage is nothing to worry about, but if you do need to treat it, use one of the organic treatments like the bug clear for fruit and veg. Apply that to the broad beans and that'll eliminate any of the aphids or any of the flea beetle off the plants. Okay, great stuff. But um, but only if it's... I'd only do that if it was, there was a lot of damage on it. If it's a small bit, it, broad beans are so vigorous, it, it, it doesn't really set them back. And by removing the top growth, you eliminate the black bean aphid uh, pest. Somebody's wondering, can you propagate a curry plant from cuttings? A curry plant? Mm. Well, the, the, the plant that's called the curry plant is helichrysum. It's got silver foliage. It's not used to produce curry... Uh, uh, the curry powder. powder. As in, as, yeah, but it yeah. does have a bit of a curry smell. Oh, it does. Smell, oh, it smells just, exactly yeah. like, like curry. So helichrysum will propagate really easy, again, from cutting. Again, this time of year, four to six inches length, strip off the leaves dip it into rooting powder, same as I mentioned before, give it a go. And that's what people should do, is have a go at a few different plants, hypericums and fuchsias, and just 
few trailing petunias. They all propagate geraniums, propagate easy from cuttings at this time of year. Okay. Um, I have a lovely lawn for the greens, but would like to get rid of buttercups. Um, and I've tried a bag of weed and free weed and feed, um, but there's lots of green grass, but not uh, enough dead weeds. Is there anything we can address with buttercups? Oh, they must have used the feed and weed. Yeah. yeah so buttercups and they're in flower at the moment. And remember, the insects are visiting it at the moment. So my advice is really to leave the treatment of buttercups until August uh, and treat them then. You can use a proprietary lawn weed killer like a liquid lawn weed killer like Dicofar would be very effective at controlling buttercups. But do allow them to, f- to finish flowering and treat them maybe in August would be a better time to, to treat them. OK, we have to leave it there, I'm afraid, Porrick, time against us. Just like that. OK, so remember the garden centre is open anyway, back open seven days a week, as people know, and uh, the Bailey restaurant Monday week. Monday week. We'll be back. Yeah. And, and the Edinburgh Wilmers is, is open as we speak. Okay. Okay, and we'll be here again next Saturday we just sure after will. nine. Okay, have yourselves a, a great weekend. Thanks indeed, Porrick. Stand by. Uh, coming your way next here on Midwest Radio on the Saturday morning. We have the very best in country right through until one o'clock with Michael Neary and uh, local news also on the way with John Morley. For me for the moment, good morning to you.